I'm Manda, and together we're Black Compat. We're a growing community focused on diversity, inclusion, representation, conversation, and fun on Twitch. Wanna be fam? For chill community vibes, Wednesday nights at 7, join BC Row for the Wednesday wind down. Friday nights, join us for Let's Plays where we explore narrative and single player campaign games. Stop by on Fridays at 7. Catch our flagship podcast, The Tribunal, live every other Sunday at 3 p.m., where we talk about issues that are important to us as Black women. Issues like representation, inclusion, diversity, and more within the video games and entertainment industries. Check our channel and social handles to find out when a new tribunal is going to drop. We've got even more content on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter handles, and our website, blackcompat.com. So join in the conversation in whatever way you like at Black and Pat. Remember, always and never or. All times are Eastern. And now, the Boston Bastard Brigade, Omni Street Inc., Wicked Anime, and Black Compat proudly present Duckamuck in Japan. Bastards and wenches, welcome to episode two of Duckamuck in Japan, starting from scratch. I am your King Baby Duck, Evan Borgo. Thank you once again for tuning in. And joining me, as always, are the creator of Solarian Sun, AFLM. Oh, hello. And fellow teacher and anime, manga, video game lover, John Star. Yo. Yeah, how's everybody doing today? Great. Good. Good. Things are still all right on the East Coast of America? Because I'm watching from afar now, so I don't exactly know what's going on in America. Oh, yeah. Everything's fine here, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Survived the hurricane that was Hurricane Lee. That was so lame. It was like, they're like, oh, there's a hurricane coming your way. And then it... It didn't. We didn't even get a tropical score, storm. It skipped right over tropical storm and went to post tropical storm. So it was just kind of windy. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm pretty oh. sure we still had blue sky. Whoa! <laughs> Actually, the same so, thing happened yeah. to me a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so we had a day of school canceled because there was supposed to be a typhoon, and. It was just like a little rain. It rained for like three hours, and then it was just blue skies afterwards. Uh, can't ask for a better day off then, I guess. Yeah, I wound up just walking around town, getting a burger from Moss Burger. And it was a nice day to just have a me time of sorts. Excellent. Yeah. So before we begin today's episode, I do want to give three shout-outs. The first and foremost are our good buddies from the band The Stampede. Um, Frontman Manny Govia and drummer Chris Thalen have been very longtime friends of mine. We've bonded over Japanese music and anime. And on No Borders or Race from 2019 until its current hiatus, their song The SS Shitstorm was the opening theme. And currently, (laughs) we are using their song Broken Me as the end theme to duck amok in Japan. So, hey, thank you guys. I hope you come to Japan soon. You should totally play one of the clubs here. The second person I want to give a shout out to is our friend. You heard him in the final episode of No Borders, No Race. 
future funk master, Merino Tilde, who is letting us use his songs as our show's background music. And um, for those who don't know, Future Funk is very much based on like Japanese city pop with electronica. So you're getting the best of Japanese melodies and Boston melodies since he is from the Boston area. And lastly, um, the big shout out, a big thank you to a band who I've admired for many, many years. And they're a band that Chris and Manny from the Stampede, we have bonded over. And that band is Tsushimabire. Now, Tsushimabire. Sorry, I'm late. <laughs> All right. A late for Derek is here. <laughs> All right. Let's. Hello. Uh, all right. So doing all right yes yep uh, okay i uh, have finished all my lattes for the day and yep i'm here <laughs> okay all right so back to the sh- <laughs> back to the shout out um the band Sorry. it's okay the band sushi mamire um we have been longtime friends with sushi mamire since no borders no race was a college radio show and we're talking about like I used to chat with them on MySpace like that much long ago. Um, and our first meeting was when Sushi Mamire was the opening act for the Suicide Girls Burlesque show back in uh, this was like in October of 2006. And I will say that without Sushi Mamire, um, I don't think I would have had done. No Borders Erased. They were like the band that really pushed me to want to become a college radio DJ and promote Japanese music. And since coming to Japan, I've actually seen Tsushimami Rei twice. Uh, one of the shows actually felt like a classic Japan night concert, something that I used to go to at the old TT the Bears. And it was them, the Harpies, Akabani Vulgars, and the Jungles. Awesome show. And... On top of that, uh, the vocalist and guitarist, uh, her name's Mari Kono, in the Sangenjaya area of Japan, rather in Tokyo, she runs this really great fashion shop called Mari Yeah. I have bought t-shirts from her. I will be buying a hoodie from her. And she makes the majority of the fashion items with one of her partners. And the song you hear at the beginning of every show is Sex on the Beach. And it comes from the album of the same name. Absolutely check the album out. All their albums are fantastic. Their next show will be in Sanganjaya at a club called Heaven's Door. It's on October 7th with a band that I also admire, the Emeralds. And they'll be touring on the West Coast of America in November and hopefully on the East Coast of America sometime next year. Okay, so that was your first band that kind of got you towards this. Was there any other band that kind of helped you evolve as you delved into all of the music that you're into now? So let's see. I say the Pillows were the first to introduce me to music. Sushi Mamire were the band that pushed me to want to do this radio show of No Borders a Race. The band that made me evolve. Huh, that is actually a very good question. Like, what I may have to do, hold on a second. I will have to look at my... Like, I, like we 
have shared very many flaming lips moments together too right and i mean that's not in the same like page as the other bands that you mentioned sorry mm-hmm. Sushimami Ray. Sorry, I'm bad at names. <laughs> yeah. No, but um, there have to have been more that you've discovered since you have done the initial dive in. Right. That um, you think have that you think have moved you along in the course. Right, and the bands that I played on the final episode of No Borders Race really was like the playlist of acts that really did help evolve the show. So you had the bands like Baby Metal, you had Queen B, Orisama, The Peggies, Sakuyans, uh, Haru Nemuri, uh, Galileo Galilei, um, Sakuran Zensen, and uh, one band I actually might touch on a little bit later on in the episode, uh, Chai. Um, I would say out of all of those bands, probably, definitely Baby Metal. Definitely Baby Metal. Because I felt like they actually helped me to evolve in my tastes and my thought processes when it came to um, the idol music scene. Even though, like, Baby Metal have, like, evolved and are, like, like are considered more than just an idol group, they did start out as an idol group. And it let me uh, gain a little respect, a tiny bit of respect for the idol music scene. The performer specifically, um, there's a whole shitstorm regarding what goes up behind the scenes of some of these idol industries, but uh, maybe we'll touch uh, on that yeah. in a future episode. There's a great documentary about it. So yeah, those are my three cool. shout-outs to the Stampede, Manny um, Notilde, and Sushi Mami Ray. This might be speculative, but do you have an idea as to what might be influential to you from what's coming out right now? Is there anything contemporary? I will say probably Atarashi Gakko. Um, Atarashi Gakko are a are another uh, all-girl group. Uh, kind of... They're kind of in between, like, like, like indie J-pop and idol, and they're they become very popular over here. Like, I I see their pictures everywhere in Shibuya, and they have a quality that most idol groups don't have, and that quality is that they don't give a fuck. Like, they have that don't-give-a-fuck attitude that almost no idol group has. Like, they do what okay, they want. So they do what they like. Why should we love idol groups? Tell us that. Well, no, I'm not saying you should love idol groups. I'm saying you should maybe like no. this specific one. No, I know, but you're just, you know, you're talking them up so great that I, I feel like it would be a disservice to not say, well, what about the idol group thing? So, I've actually seen a lot of, like, free idol shows happening in within the Tokyo area, like, outdoors and such. And my big issue with a lot of the idol groups is that a lot of them sound the same. Like, no song sounds, like, no song sounds different. Personally, myself, looking in from the outside, yes, I I think they do all sound the same. So, I want to know... What makes this one special? 
It's the way the music sounds. It's the way their attitude is when they perform. It's so in your face. It's like, they're not the cute idol girls. Like, like they're cute, you know, but they're not just cute. They have an attitude. They have personality. They, they look like the kind of girls who will kick you in the ass if you look at them the wrong way. Like when the Powerpuff Girls had an episode where they had like the equal versions of the like evil boy versions of themselves. It's like, it's all the same ingredients, but oh, they're coming out a lot spicier right now. Pretty much, pretty much. All right. We got a lot to talk about tonight. We should get into the meat of the episode. Yes, let's talk about this. So the episode title is Starting from Scratch. So that basically describes how I arrived in Tokyo because I came with just my essentials. I had my clothes, my computers, toiletries, and my Nintendo Switch. Nothing else. And later on in the show, I will be talking about what went into getting my apartment and making sure I had everything for it. All right. Yes. So before we get into that subject, um, there was a moment uh, the other day I had that kind of felt, um, I want to say close to home, but it kind of reminded me something of something that is very New Englandy. And it happened when a couple of my friends and I, we went to this restaurant in the Kuditachi area. And this place is called Rojina Sabo. And it's not like a Japanese restaurant at all. It is kind of, it's very much Western inspired with a very Western inspired uh, menu. Like I had a very, very great chicken cheese gratin from there. And everyone else ordered like a pasta or curry, something along those lines. And I wanted to mention this place because of how it looked. And this place had this very old-timey feel to it, but not like a Japanese old. Like, have any of you ever been to a restaurant in New Hampshire that looked like you just walked into somebody's cottage? Yeah, Cracker Barrel. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, it had that rustic musk in the place. It had, like... Artworks that really don't match with the decor, but they at least look nice. Yeah, but they usually have better seafood there. Like, the really crappy places in New England somehow have really good seafood. Ah, yes. Very true. Actually, uh, one of them, one of my friends wound up ordering the, the seafood linguine there, and they absolutely loved it. And But one of the things that also made it feel like, like a New Hampshire place, like, they had... You know how, like, some restaurants, they'll have, like, glass displays and they'll have, like, weird, maybe, like, ceramic plate collections or strange doll collections? No, yeah, I love the glass displays because sometimes I don't trust how the glass tastes, so I want to see what it looks like before I eat it. Nice try, Derek. (laughs) Nah. Yeah, thank you for the, uh... (laughs) Yeah, I tried it's all right, but this place, uh, Rojina Sabo, great food, but it, like reminded me so much of like an old restaurant in New England, especially like when you're in the countryside of New Hampshire. Cool, that's good. Yep, and I want to actually move on from one old place to another old place because Andrew gave me yeah. some homework. Yeah, 
Oh, I, uh, I cannot wait to hear about this. Yeah. So, I, can't, I can't wait to hear about it either because it's like I'm going back and and I because I know I'm gonna know all the spots that you've been to because I've been there. It's great. Can't wait. So I went to Nakano Broadway. Like one day after we recorded the first episode, I went to Nakano Broadway, and. What a place. Like, there were so many great shops filled with toys from America and Japan. Some stuff from, like, like the 50s and 60s. There was one shop that, like, just specialized in pro wrestling memorabilia. And, like... Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> there was, like, action figures from the WWF, um, the NWA, New Japan. They had... Like luchador masks and world championship belts. It was really cool. But, you know, they all carried really huge price tags. Uh, so, like, I really couldn't afford a lot of stuff there. However, um, in one of the shops that I went to, I actually found small plush toys of the main characters from an anime that I watched last year. Um, it's called My Master Has No Tail, and it's a story about uh, Tanuki who wants to become a Rakugo performer. And it's not a popular anime, but it's a really good one. And all three of the dolls were like less than 400 total. So like, I'll be the one to grab these. I will, I love this show. I'll be the one to take them because who knows if someone else will come and take them and be like, like that other one guy who watched this anime. <laughs> Man, that's like that's like a dollar fifty, right? Like per thing, per yeah. per plush. They were like the keychain plushes. They're not big, but like, nev nevertheless, they were they are very good quality, and it was really cool to see these being sold. A dollar fifty is still pretty good for like our market right now for a keychain so in general. Even if it's like yeah. a luck based thing. <laughs> yeah. Now currently, I'm on the hunt right now for merchandise for one of my favorite animes and that anime is teasing master takagi-san <laughs> but i have struck out everywhere so like there's nothing in akihabara nothing in ikibukuro or and there was nothing in nakano broadway um uh -huh. and i'm beginning to suspect that th there are two things that may be factoring into this one maybe not much merch of this anime was made or people who have this merch are no way going to be giving it up. Yeah, they keep it. it. Yeah, they keep it. Because it's a great show. It's a great anime. And I don't blame it at people if it's the latter. But, like, the closest thing that I have found of the Takagi-san merch here in Japan was, like, one of those, you know, those, like, colored folders, like, those promotional folders that like you'll see of, like... yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like, yeah. Because like, they, they love stationery. We don't say color. Do we say ethnic now? Lisa Frank folders. They still sell Lisa Frank folders? Right. So one, like something like that. <laughs> but it was 3,000 yen for one of those folders. So like that Jeez. was way too much. Oh, that's, that feels like the uh, five-star folders that we used to have back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, that's what you'd... Yeah, that's kind of what these things are is you you for so because they love stationery so much in japan a lot of promotional merch is literally just those plastic folders that you put into book binders yeah and they love, if they love stationery so much why did they invent the magnet train <laughs> it's, 
Oh man, I'm, hey, not, I'm, I'm, not, back. I'm not quick enough tonight for these. <laughs> yeah. I'm um, back. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> but uh, what was it? Um, yeah, uh, I, I I still can't ima- I still can't imagine just buying a folder like that even just has fan printed stuff on it for thirty bucks. <laughs> yeah, well, Andrew, if you remember the the long days ago of when we worked at Office Depot and they had the One Direction sale and there were like mm. people driving up from Rhode Island just to buy One Direction stuff <laughs> and the only person left that on the shelf was Zane. <laughs> it should have been at least third. Can't remember how much they were. Thank goodness, that was a long time ago. Yeah, working I mean, in retail. It was a it was a stupid amount. Yes or no? I mean, the amount that people bought was a stupid amount. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we were the, we were the only. <laughs> yeah, we were the only Office Depot in Massachusetts. Actually, no, on the East Coast. So in in the entirety of New England. So people drove very far to get their stupid. Oh, oh, so if they wanted it, they they all had to go in one direction. Yeah. Sorry. Simon Cowell. Too easy. So, let's go back to Nakano Broadway. Yeah, Nakano Broadway. So, I do have two weird complaints about Nakano Broadway. Um, the, the first complaint is this place is huge. It's ginormous. So, it is so easy to get overwhelmed by it. And it's definitely the kind of location that you need a friend to tag along with. You can't do this place solo. Yeah. All right. Why is that? It's huge. It's big. Like, you feel like like there's just shops everywhere. You just don't know where to begin. Yeah. And it's a maze. Yes. Like, it's it's an actual maze that folds in on itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I said, I don't know. We figure out the MBTA, so how is that different? Well, so, Evan, when you were there, did you... I don't even know if the shop is here is there anymore um, because of its location, but did you find the section of the mall that was all, like, shuttered up shops, but there's, like, one or two that are still there? Yes, actually, the, the third floor. Yeah, so if you, if you go, oh, like, Liberty all the way... Yeah, so if you go all the way to the back corner, all of the shops are shuttered up, but there's like two Mandarake shops and one solo guy back there. And again, this was back in 2017, so it yeah. could have easily changed. But um, the, all three of those shops sold uh, animation cells, mm-hmm. and the entirety of the place was all shuttered up. It was just those three shops. It was really surreal. Yeah. It was one of the most surreal places that I've been. Now, there and are then, um, th- there are definitely more shops that have opened up since, but there are still yeah. places that are shuttered up. Yeah, and uh, the other one that I found was uh, I went to the basement uh, where the ice cream shop is because that was on uh, Tokyo Eye. Yeah. Did you go there? Yeah, so yeah, there's like a um, whole grocery store down there and various other things. So too. the part, the one that they won't tell you about on Tokyo Eye, and I don't know if you found this place, and you can feel free to omit whatever, but I definitely walked by this place because I, I walked the whole place. But there's a part of Nakano Broadway that's made up of a bunch of skinny hallways, and it's all the adult shops. Did you find the skinny hallways with all the adult shops? No, I did not. And now I feel bad for not finding this skinny hallway of uh, adult yeah, shops. Yeah, so, so it's so it's what a skinny hallway. Mean wider hallways. 
So it's a skinny hallway that winds around corners. Like, like they seem like unnecessary corners as well. And it's all, you know, like curtained off areas because they're all the adult shops they sell. They sell sex toys. They sell adult DVDs. They sell anime, uh, adult anime figures, whatever. Um, they sell then, candy after dark. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know if there was actually. Well, I mean, there. So this goes into my other thing was the vending machines. Uh, there was a little. There was a dead end. There was a dead end in Nakano Broadway that led to vending machines. And I've told this story on Wicked Anime, and I've told this story on No Borders, No Race, like a bunch of times. But now it's going to be on Duckamuck too because we're talking about knocking out Broadway. But this is yeah. where I found the 18 plus mystery vending machine. And and I was like, huh? this is where I was like, oh, I, well, I got to solve the mystery. Mm-hmm. And and it was one of those little key and it sent me I did it and it it, it dropped out like a little keychain vibrator. <laughs> and it's, it was the funny dude. It was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Right. Like and and you're like, oh, cool. That's like a funny little charm to to walk away with from knocking on Broadway because I'm not going to go into the adult shops. But, you know, I might as well find out what's in these little, you know, pop balls, the little gotcha machines yep. of, of like an 18 plus got like what the heck is in an 18 plus gotcha machine? What's an 18 plus gotcha machine? Well, that's what it was. It was a keychain. So that but that was knocking on Broadway as well. All right. I might have to actually go back there to, to find this hidden skinny hallway. But, yeah, um, I went everywhere in there, dude. I went everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Now, you mentioned that Howl was a maze, like Nakano Broadway. Yep. And I have to say this. Nakano Broadway could be a really cool setting for a horror game. Like, imagine. Oh, absolutely. Especially when you have, like, like these stores that got, like, these creepy dolls. Like, imagine, like, there's a video game about Nakano Broadway. It starts out normal. You go in there. All of a sudden, power goes out. And then... The toys start coming to life. Well, because the, well, the other thing is, too, is is I'm sure you noticed this when you were in there. It's really industrial in there. Yes. Like, it's not it's not a, like a mall that's finished with marble and 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 rail. It's it's industrial. It is shutters. It's brick and it has ventilation tubing everywhere. It's weird. It's like a Bioshock uh, level. Yeah, it, it kind of is. It, it's 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 basically it looks like an indoor outdoor mall. It, yeah. Because it, it kind it kind of is because it because the arcade that the shopping arcade that's outside from it just goes inside to Nakano Broadway. Mm. So yeah, it's I know it's it, the layout is really strange. I so, know, but it's fun. But if it all yeah. goes off at one, does it all just vibrate at the same time? What does what vibrate off at the same time? Evan asks, like, what happens if they all go off at the same time? Like, do they all vibrate at the same time? All the dolls? No, the lights. Is it a is it a hive mind? Like, is Nakano Broadway a a hive in general, and it's and it's selling you your nostalgia back to you? And all the toys just go off all at once, like ten o'clock every night. <laughs> I don't know, man. I wouldn't want to be there past eight. No. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's when, like, it gets, when it starts <laughs> to get dark out, when it starts getting dusk, like, no, I'm out of there. Yeah, it's creepy in there. It's it's really funny how creepy it is in there. But, um, yeah. You yeah, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, so what, what other stores did you visit? Well, well mostly I just visited all the anime, stops, uh, anime shops and the manga shops. Um, but, yeah, it was really cool. I, I liked it. I will say that I will 
probably still prefer Akihabara and Ikiburkuro because mm-hmm. they have more of the newer stuff. But I feel like Nakano Broadway is worth maybe visiting, like, I don't know, like once every well, other month. Hey, See, don't gloss think- over the bugs. The bugs? Yeah, the bug vending machine that he sent Oh, that's us. right! Yes, they had oh, a, yeah. the edible <laughs> bug right. vending machine. Oh, I'm so kicking us. Shit. You want you want chocolate covered crickets? No. Um <laughs> no, but where are they? It is on the first floor of Nakano Broadway. It's actually right near one of the arcades. And they <laughs> also sold a lollipop with a dead scorpion inside of it. Oh, that one's a classic. Yeah. You have um, to remember that Derek spit out fish. <laughs> when we did our snacks. So. Oh, yeah, the unaired episode. Oh, dang. Um, Excuse me? Dehydrated saltines? Yeah, so good. Um, yeah, yeah, so bad. So bad. So bad. Uh, <laughs> I had a train of thought, and, and it, it slipped from my... So let me, let me just meditate it on a little while, see if I can get it back, because I really wanted to see if you found this one thing that I'm thinking about. Uh, okay. But tell us about the other stores that you hit up. Well, that was about it, really. Like I, I okay. spent, I spent like th- three, maybe four hours in Nakano Broadway just looking at all the anime shops. I think, I think that's what I was gonna say. Is the reason why? Because you mentioned, you know, the newer stuff uh, for, in Akihabara and Ikebukuro. Uh, I love. I'm all about the secondhand stuff, and that's what Nakano Broadway is. It's all secondhand stuff. Yeah, and like I like the secondhand stuff too. But I, I wasn't talking about just newer stuff. I, I was yeah. talking about more about like recent series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean, and that's like where you'd go to a shop like Animate, or yeah. you'd go to any of the the brand specific stores. But yeah, like, Animate or big, Book Off. Yeah, but I'm a big secondhand. Like my favorite thing is the secondhand shops. Like if I go to Japan, it's all about the secondhand shops. Yeah, find anything. Oh yeah. In my experience, most people have two hands, so it's really more rare to find a third hand shop because that's where you find stuff that you wouldn't normally expect to find. And pun, I'm done. Bad joke. Pun too pun too far, Derek. Pun yeah, too pun far. Pun too far. Uh-huh. I mean, if if I didn't like awkwardly interrupt everything the way that I did, it would have been better. But yeah, the delivery was off. The joke was off. Everything was off. And I apologize to you, the world. (laughs) Okay. Um, So, yeah, that was Nakano Broadway for me. And if Andrew gives me more homework, more places for me to check out, I will definitely visit them for future episodes. Dude, I have I have so many. I the, the unfortunate thing is is I don't remember what their names are. So I think what's just going to happen is I'm going to have to go to Japan to visit you, and we're just going to have to revisit a lot of the shops that I did together. Yeah, you know, you know what's one place though, Andrew, that he should visit when he goes next time he goes to Akihabara. Mm-hmm. He should find the Greek guy who did the Don Bowls. I hope he's still there, man. Oh man, I have, I have an idea. What if we just go on a Google Maps tour and just try to stalk Evan? And then whenever we get to a place that you guys recognize, you're like, oh, my God, I know that place that has great ramen. Yeah, honestly, that's not a bad idea because um, John- Jonathan did mention the Greek guy. I dude, I don't even know if he would still be there, you know? 
Because that oh, that would be so disappointing if he wasn't there. It would be. Yeah, a I got story some, for I, another yeah. time. Yeah, good. I got some good food shops that I went uh, that I went yeah, to. What if, I only went what to if two, but Dockamuck was just us stalking him. <laughs> Stockamuck. Let me take a little break from talking about stuff that I did. AFLM and Johnstar, you recently got to experience one of your favorite bands live in person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we did. So uh, we saw uh, our very first uh, Beast in Black concert. Uh, for those who don't know, they are a metal band who uh, their concept is that they're based off of Berserk and their latest uh, album uh, also uh, was uh, like a Blade Runner sort of sort of vibe, sort of like rock opera thing going right. on. Berserk in what aspect? Because Berserk, Berserk like the is anime. like a band series. Yeah. Okay. The anime. Yeah, the anime. That's why yeah. they're called Beast in Black, like like Guts. Like Guts. Yep. Right. Uh, uh, we, we should I also mention that. that we should also mention that the guitarist used to be in the band Battle Beast, and Battle Correct. Beast is also a Berserk reference. Yeah, and if you if you listen to the, the the cool thing is that I realize is if you listen to the first Battle Beast album and you listen to the song Let It Roar, uh, when they actually sing the Let It Roar uh, chorus, thought just let it roar. That that's the guitar player who now sings in Blade Run or who sings in Beast in Black, and you can hear him do the in in the Blade Runner. Sorry, he's he's also in the he he basically does his own screaming lyrics uh, when Giannis is not doing his high pitch lyrics, which is which I just think is really cool because that kind of helped me figure out like oh the guitar player is actually really involved in this whole production as far as like the two bands go. But of course, he's an ex-member of Beast and uh, of uh, Battle Beast. And now he's a Beast in Black. Yeah, I and love the almost as much as I do because I've got just as many random stories about the Beatles songwriting processes. <laughs> so, I mean, these guys on stage have just—they're having the time of their lives. They—they they are just having fun. They're not like a scary metal band or anything like that. They're up there with like neon-colored guitars, and they have—they um, have synchronized dances that they do on stage, and yep. they're smiling, like, and they're so. Uh, one of the things that I found absolutely amazing is uh, Giannis Papadopoulos, who is the main singer from Finland. Uh, he wears a black leather trench coat the entire set oh my gosh that's got to be so hot mm. seeing how yeah. much seeing how much Joachim, uh sweats and he's in and he's in a armored vest so at least his arms are exposed and Maybe the underclothes <laughs> yeah and and like the lead singer from avatar i forget his name it's escaping me right now, but I, I did know his name. Uh, the lead singer of Avatar, who slowly throughout the entire show disrobes pieces of his costume because it's so freaking hot. And yeah. by the end, his, his his like face paint makeup is sweating off of his face. And so Giannis Papadopoulos is, is in a trench coat the entire set. And because so we were in the Middle East Club and I know a lot of listeners, they don't know what that that means, but it's a basement it's a basement venue that can only hold up to about 600 people. You got to be there, and, guys. And from our view, we could see the whole stage, including the backstage. 
And you know uh, when guitar players are doing their solos and they're doing... Wait, are you upstairs or downstairs? Downstairs. Uh, when oh, they're doing yeah. when they're yeah, doing non-vocal bits, uh, when when uh, the singer will usually leave the stage, and that's when he goes and he takes a drink of water, he wipes the sweat off of his head. So one of the things that I saw was also in that backstage is was their sound technician who would run all the sampling, who would run the backtracking, who would run all those things. And so Giannis is back there during his, you know guitar break and his set he's drinking water but then he goes on the computer and starts doing something on the computer for the tech that's over there that is how involved he is in the process of this whole band is that he can even use the tech's computer for backtracking and everything and just be like that, yeah that's good that's cool uh, that, and it's like singer slash producer at that point yeah and and the other thing that's really cool too is when when the band first came out on stage, you know they're they're rocking. Then then Giannis pops out, and he's going crazy. He's singing, he's headbanging, he's doing his thing, and his earbuds pop out. So Ooh. so he has no PA to follow for for doing that, and he sings two songs with no PA in his head, which means, <laughs> dude, this guy's a beast, man. He just knows exactly <laughs> what he is. It is. It right. was I'm so fun. Pretend I'm an expert, but this is what I know from my own experience from a college band. Follow the drums because you don't get the reverb as much on the drums, and as long as you have the melody to start with, you can kind of go off of your own melody. Yep. Hmm. But the drums are the best thing to look at when you yeah. have no idea where the sound's actually at. Right, the key I mean, to the rhythm and to the beat. Yeah, I just I just can't unless, I just couldn't believe unless it. Unless the drummer is Bam Bam and only Evan knows about yeah. him. So. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, he, great, yeah. great guy, but oh my God. <laughs> Not the best drummer. But yeah, so, uh, uh, and and of course this was, this was our little brother's uh, first first concert ever. So yeah. we, Ooh. so he was with us. We bought him a T-shirt. We bought him, you know, we got we got the best uh, the best standing spot so he could see over the crowd. We pointed out the the mosh pit to him. We're like, see, that's the mosh pit. Those guys are having fun. They they're not angry with each other. Uh, what's and the uh, age range, if you don't mind me asking? He's twelve. Nice. So, yeah. So oh. so his his first concert ever was a metal show, a power metal show at that uh, in down in the Middle East with six hundred people. And and we got him. We got him some of the the best spot in the house. We can see everything. That's a good spot. And then on top of that, uh, Dance with the Dead was the opening act. And for those who don't know who Dance with the Dead is, think synthwave but metal. So it's 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 two guys and a drummer. uh, But the main the main show is is two guys. They're both guitar players, but one guy will jump onto keyboards for some songs. I love how you assume the drummer isn't a person. Well, I mean, he's not an official member fair. of the band. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, just uh, and just watching them, it, watching them live was awesome. And after the show, we got to shake their hands. We got to meet them because they they were out at their merch booth at their. So I bought a shirt from them. I bought two Beast in Black shirts. So I'm all set to go. I got all my shirts, my band shirts that I need for that. But yeah, Beast in Black concert, awesome. 
so happy that they came to the United States. I'm so glad to know that they are actually a headline band now, that they're not just opening for Nightwish anymore, that we can actually go see uh, Beast in Black whenever they come as headliners. It's going to be so great. And then if they do come as an opening act, that means we get to see Beast in Black and somebody else after them that we may or may not enjoy. So <laughs> highly recommended. If you if you like power metal like I do, or like me and Jonathan do, but it, you like it with like an 80s tinge and uh, guys who really enjoy what they do and look like they're having fun. Yeah, it, it was, dude, it was awesome. It was, it was so great. So Beast in Black show, highly recommended. Very awesome. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10? Yeah. 10, 10 out, out of 10. 10. Uh, would, I, would I rate the concert overall uh, more fun than a Sabaton concert? I think, I think I still would rate my Sabaton concerts as my best concert experiences ever because th- yeah, those were like, the best show. Yeah. Um, like the Sabaton concerts, I was like, yeah, this, this is it. But when you go to a show like Beast in Black, actually, and like Sabaton too, and it doesn't matter what they play because you know every single one of their songs – you're not going to have a bad time. And that's what it was for me and Beast in Black. I know every single one of their songs, so they could play whatever they wanted, and I was going to be excited about it. Okay, well, I didn't know any of Sabaton's songs, and I thoroughly enjoyed that concert. Well, there you so go. what do you think that I would think about Beast in Black? Uh, they don't have as heavy a visual, as a visuals as Sabaton does. Uh, but if you like that style of music, I would highly recommend you even just start listening to them. Because, I mean, they only have three albums. It's easy to catch up, and, and their songs are, are bangers. And the second album I, is... I'm, no- I'm normally more punk than metal, but, I mean, like, the speed metal and stuff is basically punk with a lot more distortion and a lot more... Um, well, if you if you uh, like the 80s... Right. If, you, if you like the 80s pop scene, too, that, that sound is integrated into the power metal that they do. Oh, video video killed the radio star. Love that all day, every day. Yeah, a lot of keys, a lot of guitars. Mentioning 80s pop music is actually a good segue to something that I wanted to bring up. Uh, because who remembers back in like the 80s and the 90s? Oh, uh, at least the 90s for, for Andrew and Jonathan. Um, who remembers like when bands yeah, would come to... <laughs> Who remembers when bands would come to malls and perform concerts? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Huh. So back in like the 80s and 90s, like there was a whole. The last one who did that. (laughs) There were there was a time where if you wanted to see a band perform, like maybe like one or two songs as a way like they maybe promote a new album or even like a concert that they're doing that night. They'll come to the mall and they'll do like a free show. This was you. This yeah, used to be a no big staple mall. at malls in America, and they've all but disappeared. But in you Japan, know what? Um, South Park actually touched on this one um, because they noted that it was mostly boy bands trying to be formed that did this, and that's when. Oh God. I forget the actual name. It's inappropriate, though. So I can't remember the name, but South Park basically did an entire episode around malls licensing bands to come play in their lobby. And that's what I'm actually getting towards, is the fact that in Japan, these pop groups, these idol groups, 
they will actually come to the mall and do performances and they will do like autograph sessions with, with fans and such. And every time I've gone to Sunshine City, there's always been either one idol group performing or there's like a miniature like idol festival that's going on. Like there's four or five idol groups that perform within a period of two to three hours. And it's okay. so amazing to see like this is still happening over here. Mm. So my thought as to why it's working over there, not over here, is just because of space. We're so spread apart where every now and then you'll get a mall. We'll do an event like that. But where in Japan, you know, what do you have to travel like? three hours tops to reach the most distant part of Japan from where you are? I would say kind of, yeah. Uh, well, three hours by the yeah. bullet train. Bullet, by the bullet train. So everyone's close together, so everything's in the same area, so all the attractions are there. But with America, it was all just so spread out that you now it never picked up, never became a thing. I don't know. Just a thought. Yeah, yeah. And there's also... And this still kind of happens in America, but it really doesn't happen as often as it used to, where you would have bands come and perform at music shops and at music stores. I miss that. Yeah. The last time I went to one in America, this was back in 2008, and Eagles of Death Metal, where I get my King Baby Duck namesake from, they played at one of the Newbury Comics, and it was such a great show. And I bring this up because this past week, um, so I went to the Shibuya Tower Records and I bought the new CD from a J-pop group I really love and they're called Chai. I mentioned them early on in the show. Mm -hmm. When you bought this album by Chai, it came with a free ticket to an in-store show that's happening next month and a free autograph from them at said show. Nice. So I'll be seeing one of my favorite bands for free (laughs) next month. That's sick. Um, Currently though, Chai is touring in America and I would highly recommend seeing them live because when you listen- Chai is literally Indian for tea. Yes. 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 So, when you listen to Chai on a CD, they're great. They're awesome. They have this really cool indie pop, uh, very unique sound to them. When you see them live, the only band I can actually compare them to are the Beastie Boys. Like, they have an attitude. They have a stage presence. And they just, they, they jump from one instrument to another. They switch instruments. They, they go to like the DJ booth. They'll, they'll, they do everything that the Beastie Boys did. I was about to have questions, but you just answered them. Yeah. They do everything that the Beastie Boys did. And it's like, because I missed out on seeing the Beastie Boys live in concert. Every time they came to Boston before the days of like high speed internet, where I could have a chance to get a ticket. Their shows sold out in like an instant. So I never got a chance to see the Beastie Boys live. Seeing Chai is as close 
as you could get to seeing mm. and feeling the energy and attitude of what Beastie Boys delivered at their shows. Sounds awesome. And yeah. this is a Japanese band, right? Yeah, all girl Japanese band. All right. I'll so they are touring in America. Side note, if your listeners go to New York, uh, please go to Ad Rock's Memorial and uh, give no, your Ad- condolences. Not Ad Rock. MCA. Oh my God, MCA. I'm sorry, Ad Rock. Yeah. MCA, yes. Yeah. So they are actually, for my East Coast friends, they are coming to Boston in October. They are playing in the Somerville uh, Crystal Ballroom, which is where I saw Titus Adronicus last time. Great venue. Highly recommend checking them out when they do. Last time they played in Boston, it was at the Sinclair. Like I said, just wow. Definitely check them out. Get their new self-titled album. It is great, and it's an album of the year contender. Wow. Excellent. Yeah. So why don't we dive into the main focus of this episode, which is starting from scratch. Because I only touched a little bit about it in the first episode, but I'll dive deeper into it. The process of getting my new apartment. Now, the JET program that I'm a part of, um, normally, if you get a job through the JET program, and they normally will help you with getting your house. They'll, they'll make sure that you have a roof over your head, a house, apartment. But that only applies to those that are living in the countryside, in the rural areas of Japan. Mm. When you oh. go to Tokyo, if you're chosen to, to work in Tokyo, the JET program doesn't supply housing, but they will give you a realtor to work with. Huh. Oh, yeah. So is he trying to sell you something? Right. Yes. An apartment. That that sounds like a gamble, right? Yes. Like when when you first hear that right off the bat, it sounds like, wow, it sounds like you're gambling with being able to find a place. Yes. Well, you want to buy property. And so one late Friday night in July, um, myself and my parents, we, <laughs> at the stroke of midnight, started talking to a realtor from, they're called GTN Leasing, and they helped choose an apartment that suit me. And we went with a place that, when we were looking at the pictures, it, it looked nice. It was in a good location, a good neighborhood and a decent distance to public transportation. And GTN was very helpful with, with me every step of the way. They even assisted with getting me internet access and three of my big apartment essentials, which are the washing machine, the refrigerator, and a microwave. And that, those three wound up costing 38,000 yen. To give you an idea how good of a deal that is, a washing machine in Japan alone costs 50,000 yen. Mm. Can you describe what those look like? Because we might be thinking of different things because washing machines can come in different sizes, etc. So it's actually a pretty good sized washing machine. I'm able to do a week and a half load of, of my laundry in there, no problem. 
So I just have a washing machine. To dry, I actually have to hang everything outside and let the sun do the work. Yeah. Yeah, there's no dryers. Or there's no no there's not many households that have their own dryer. Generally, yeah. you have to do hang drying or or go to a uh, go, go to a laundromat. Neighbors need to know what underwear you wear. They need to know that. So you need to show them. Actually, the sides are blocked off, so you can't see what the other neighbors are uh, hanging up or doing whatever. Nope. Don't ruin my dream. <laughs> the brick so, walls need to see what kind of underwear you're wearing. I'm just picturing you just like doing this completely masculine move. Be like, here's my underwear. Everyone look at it. <laughs> my very Western underwear. Um, okay. Uh, you keep oh. describing, but I, I do have a question that is probably related to this. So, so okay. Keep- going and see it and then and then once we get to the question and answer period of this I, I have I have something all right so I'm actually very glad that I bought this apartment before coming to Japan because there were some people in the jet program that came from Tokyo that didn't do this and figured oh I'll find a place no problem a lot of these folks <laughs> couldn't find an apartment until like two weeks after they had to leave the hotel that goodness that the jet program put them up in yeah so like okay so That's like terrifying. I, yeah that is terrifying so like i was so grateful that i knew that i was going to have a roof over my head like as soon as things were squared away so on august 11th i went to the realtor put my signature and they handed me the keys and I went to see my apartment for the very first time. And like basic, like, okay, I'm going there. Where am I going to stay? Like that should be the first question that anyone asks. Yes. Oh my God. Every time I say something, it's just awkward. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. So I knew what to prepare for. Because I know that Tokyo apartments are small. So, like, I got to the apartment complex. Nice area, by the way. Very, very good and quiet. I opened up the door for the first time. Are they small or compact? Because they can be small, but still fit a bunch of stuff in there. So, it's very small. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I walked in to the free space, the, the space that I'm currently in right now, where there's nothing, absolutely nothing. And I didn't have a meltdown, but mentally, <laughs> mentally, I was like going, oh shit, what am oh, I going to do? Really? I would have loved it, man. I would have been like, this is my home. This is my dream. <laughs> yeah, if you don't mind, like, can I ask, like, yes. why the size, like, that made you panic? Like, because I could also see myself living in a very small space, especially if I was by myself, right? Right. So, so like, am I just not 
being am i not able to comprehend how small this place is or is it like because like i knew what yeah. your room looked like when you were living in boston like yeah. smaller than that it's slightly bigger than the room my my old bedroom in boston slightly bigger the the space oh that's not bad slightly bigger but um one thing you have to factor in the kitchen is so tiny that i only have one burner so like initially yeah. Yeah. I was like I don't know what I'm going to be able to cook. The bathroom yeah, I have microwave. here. Yeah, microwave. Yeah, the microwave. The bathroom I have is like an eighth of the size of the bathroom I had in Boston. Uh hell yeah, bud. <laughs> like when I was in um it, it reminds me of when I was in the APB uh APA hotels, mm-hmm. APA, APB. I, I can't remember what it was. APA, I think. But um, the I think you had a similar bathroom, right? Where does does the faucet from the sink go over to the faucet to the tub? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the compact bathrooms. The, yeah, the compact bathrooms. They're all made of plastic, so at least it's easy to clean up afterwards. It's not like yep. dealing with ceramic tiles. But like, I've, my dream of owning a fancy toilet wet up in flames when I saw that I didn't have the right toilet to get the installation for it. Right. So that kind of sucked. Um, there are no electrical uh, plugs in the bathroom, so I can't have a hair dryer or anything like that. If anything goes into flames, then you really need to call 911. I think it's 110 in Japan. Yeah, it's 110. Oh, one, 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 okay, 110. One, one, <laughs> so, like, seeing... Thank you! You finally followed one of my bad jokes. So, seeing the free space that I had here, and, like, so I'm used to, like, having a double bed, and I realized very quickly I can't have a double bed here because it would be... It would take up most of the apartment. Yeah. Can, uh, can I ask this then? Uh, yes. Are you do you have? Are you using the loft space as your bedroom, or is that storage space? I don't really have are loft you, space. Oh, you don't have a loft space. Well, that, I guess that answers your. So then, did you buy a futon? Um, no. So I'm getting to that. So like, when it came time to like start buying furniture and everything, and like all my necessities, like I measured this room, like five, six, seven times just to make sure that the things I wanted to get would fit. And the two essentials that I needed were the bed and a desk. Mm-hmm. And from there, like, I could start building up a little bit more. So I couldn't get a double bed, but I could get a semi-double bed. And then I found a really good desk, which will lead me to the places that I shopped at. So the very first place that I went to, and this is the place that every one of my Japanese friends recommended me going to, and that is Nitori. And Nitori is hands down the best furniture shop around. It could put Ikea, or as it's actually pronounced, Ikea, out of business if they ever expanded to the West. The furniture is easy to build, like, So the workers, when they came to deliver, they built my bed and they built my chair. And they did all of that in less than 30 minutes. Cool. 
and it was amazing. And then I put the put my desk together by myself, which also took just half an hour. Um, nice. But the problem with Nitori was, and this was just a timing thing, my stuff would arrive a few days after I had to move out of the hotel that Jet had set up. So I had to order, like, an air mattress to hold me over for a couple of days, which was very comfy, and I may use it for... Uh, if I ever do camping in Japan in the future. Right. So, I was able to find those two essentials, no problem, in at Nitori. The next store I went to is called Life. And Life Store is a department store, a grocery store, and a retail store. All three things at once. And that's where I have bought just about the majority of my necessities. Uh, where it comes to, like, drawers and other table setups. They're a great shop. My main complaint about them is that you have to shop at each place separately. Like you can't like just, you can't bring the department store stuff down to the grocery store stuff or the grocery store stuff to the retail store stuff. You all, you have to buy the stuff separately. Even though it's the same damn store. You have to buy everything separately from all these different Yeah, spots. that was one of the things that drove me insane. It was a total cultural difference, but it drove me insane being in Japan. Like every single floor you went to, you had to purchase an item before you left the floor. So annoying. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's not just me that feels that way. No, it's it's incredibly irritating. <laughs> yeah, it is very irritating. They do that a lot at some of the anime shops too, by the way. Like yeah. at Animate. Yeah, yeah. At Animate, you can't if you want to buy manga, you have to buy it from the manga section. If you want to buy the anime merch, you have to buy it from the anime merch section. If you want to buy yep. the idol music, you have to buy it from the idol music section. You can't just be like, I'll take all these and then just go down to the first floor and pay everything there. Nope, nope. They that don't let like you do that. that yeah. Oh. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> See, but then I don't. I don't understand what's stopping you from from just like as you leave, because then you have to leave through multiple floors. What's going to stop you from just slipping things into your bag as you leave and be like, "No, I paid for it. So I, See, it's in my bag." Uh, you know, that's that's why that's why we do it here in America. You have the you exit. You pay as you exit, so you can't slip anything new into your bags. True. But that's where the trust factor comes in, I think, from like the Japanese right people. the the very very naive trust of Japanese people. Japan hasn't come up with the concept of stealing by putting things in a pre-purchase bag. No, dude, it's that's actually true. Like because I mean, it works there because they have that trust system. Yeah, but it's, again, it's, it's, that, it deals with the homogenous aspect of Japan. Yeah, but it's also a cultural naivete. Like they it they cannot process the fact. Like, it was the same thing, like, the whole movie ticket story that I have. They can't process the fact of breaking rules because it's just not a part of their culture. So, like, when somebody comes in, we're just like, why don't you guys do this? They're like, we don't understand. Why would anybody do that? It's just not in their vocabulary. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, But anyway, continue your story. Yeah. <laughs> the third place I went to, and it's the 100 yen shop called Can Do. And despite it being a 100 yen shop, the items there are a very high quality. I'm like, like an American dollar store. Like I would never trust anything from a Dollar Tree or any other store that has the family dollar, any store that has the dollar name in it. I do not trust. Dude, I still use my suitcase that I bought from Don Quixote 
It yeah. was like it was probably like a thirty dollar suitcase, maybe less, and I still use it as like one of my main traveling suitcases. Yeah, Don Quixote is actually so. Yeah, let's make that five shots I went to. Don Quixote is also a great place where I bought some of my essentials too. But like with the can do at the hundred yen shop, like that's where I bought my cooking utensils, my toiletry essentials, and like like I bought all this like cutlery and like it rang up to like a thousand yen. I was like. Cool. And then when you factor in the American exchange rate, it wound up being like $6 for all this stuff, all my necessities. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah. And can you pay for it duty-free? Because yes. Because like Don, Don Quixote had a duty-free section. Yep. So duty-free, yep. tax-free. Uh, Nitori is also tax-free as well. So like I got oh. all my furniture tax-free. Oh, man. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. So, like, tax-free costs 170,000 yen, but then when you, like, factor in the American exchange rate, it was, like, $1,200 for a great quality bed, a great quality bed frame, and a great desk. That's That's awesome. awesome. And then last but not least, Amazon. Like, that's where I bought, like, some of the big things. Um, One of the issues, though, with Amazon is that most of the things that I bought, I have to be home for, for them to be properly delivered. If I wasn't home, they would Mm. actually bring it back to the factory and I would actually have to reschedule when they would come back. You were actually telling us that before we had started our last recording. It's like, we can do this recording, but I might have to Peace out for a second to get a package. Yes. I remember that. Yes. Hilarious. In fact, I'm currently waiting for a waffle maker right now because I. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I've been trying to make hot cakes with a frying pan and it's just messy nonstop. So, I'm like, fuck it. I'll just buy a waffle maker. It'll make things a lot lot more easier. But um, besides that, I've bought desks, I've bought drawers, I've bought shelves. I have bought a couple more cooking utensils that the can-do shop didn't have. I bought my air fryer there, which I love my Kosori air fryer. It takes only two minutes to clean, unlike the ninja one I had, which took 20 minutes to clean. Wow. And then last but not least, my TV. And I bought, it's the TCL brand. And what I didn't realize when I bought it was that it's a Google TV, which allowed me to download ExpressVPN onto there, and I could use all (laughs) of my American streaming apps on it. Heck yeah, dude. That's that's great. So, like, Crunchyroll I'm watching on there, uh, Hulu I'm watching on there, Amazon Prime, Paramount Plus. High Dive still does not work with the VPN for some reason. I do not know what's going on with High Dive. The only thing High Dive works over here on is with the Opera browser. But every other thing, every other browser does not work. And Um, I don't get why, because it worked last year. Right. after after the recording, can you send us pictures of your apartment? I'm really interested to see what this whole setup actually looks like. Yeah, I think I actually sent it to my uncle a few days ago. I'll send you the same pictures. Yeah, because I'd love to see what this all looks like. Yeah. And once everything I bought was fit into place, like I realized that 
despite its size, I actually had a lot of room to work with. The yeah, only, man. That's- yeah. The only thing I cannot buy, or rather the things that I have to be very careful with buying, are my hobby-based things. So, like, I can't have too many figurines, I can't have too many nandroids, and I can't have too many plushies. Hmm. I think you'll live. Yeah, I'll live. But but can you buy one of those glass display cases? No room for that. No, no room for that. Unfortunately. Bummer. So, like, I was originally thinking about buying a shelf, but, like, where that shelf would have gone is where this table with my air fryer and my coffee maker Uh, and my excess space to cook. Yeah, see, I would have opted for shelves rather than that because I probably wouldn't have you. I would have just used the microwave, honestly. <laughs> There's only yeah, so much I'd, you can do with a microwave, though. So, like, I'm not I'm not a complicated person. I know. <laughs> and I hate coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in reality, when I look at how much I've spent, I've spent about maybe around 500,000 yen for everything that's in my apartment. But mm-hmm. again, I used my American credit card. So in reality, I spent about only $3,000 to just start from scratch. And that's actually good when you think yeah, about that's it. Incredible. When I start from nothing and to have everything costing $3,000. Because yeah. I, I, I don't think that could happen if you were to buy an apartment in America. If you were to start from nothing in America, you would be spending, I think, close to ten thousand dollars. I think well, I three. Yeah, it depends on where you're, where you're, what state you're in. That but, too. Yeah, I think three thousand dollars would just be the furniture alone, though. Personally, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, considering that you're in a metropolitan city, which is Tokyo, if you were to move to any of the cities here in the United States, yeah, it would be an astronomical amount. Moving out to like a rural area in, in the United States, you can get a better deal. But yeah, the cities, no way. Don't even bother. Right. Which is why it's such a steal in Tokyo to be living yeah, in a place exactly. like that. Like I'm spending, exactly. let's see, it's 69,000 yen a month for my rent and nice. my utilities. Um, I'm not spending any more than like, uh, so internet's 4,100 yen. My phone is 3,000 yen. And my last water bill was only about 2,000 yen. And cool. Because I hadn't used my gas enough, because, <laughs> uh, you know, it's still hot here, I, my last gas bill was so low that they said, don't pay it now, we'll just put it towards the next bill. Mm-hmm. That's how low it is. But Excellent. right now, I feel like I've settled in. I'm not I'm not in a panic mode like I was when I first saw the apartment. I'm comfortable here. I love this place. It's definitely a one-person apartment. I can't have I, I can't even have like a friend stay over here because there's literally no room for them to even like put a bed here or like a small little mattress to, for them to lay down in. Um, Challenge accepted. <laughs> I mean, my bed's big enough to have a girlfriend stay in bed with me, but that's like or the only friend. thing. Yeah. 
or best friend. See you there. I, <laughs> I've had bad spooning experiences. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But what about <laughs> good spooning experiences? There is no good spooning experiences with friends, man. There is no good spooning experiences with friends, man. It's just awkward. Challenge accepted. See, this is why this is why you should have bought a futon instead of a, instead of a bed, because then you could, it could have a, had a sofa, and then it folds out into a double bed. Well, that's why I like the bed frame that I bought because there are drawers underneath the bed frame, so like oh, I could nice, put my nice, I put nice. all of my clothes in there, and I don't have to worry about that taking up any space. Yeah, that's and pretty top, sick. And on that's top of that, sick. yeah, and on top of that, on the other side, so like there's drawers on one side, and on the other side, there are two large secret compartments that I could put that that I could use that are underneath the bed. So like when I switch to like winter clothes or summer clothes, like I could just put the winter clothes in that secret compartment and would not be taking up any space. Mm. And that's actually where I put my um uh. My inflatable bed. So I'm like, my air mattress yeah. is now in one of those spaces. And it doesn't even take up that much space in the hidden compartment. So, cool. So, yeah. So, can I ask my question now? Yes, go ahead. Your neighbors, did you have to meet them and give them gifts? No. I've no. actually only met like two of my tenants so far in the, the last two months I've been here. I've, I've only met two of my tenants. And I have met the custodian who works here. Her name's Tom. Oh, sweet. So, like, <laughs> we try to have a conversation, but yeah. <laughs> Google Translate has do. to come out. That's what, that's what you have to do is the first time you meet these new neighbors, just walk straight up to them with your hand out, like like you're going to shake their hand just in full, just straight English. Hey, how you doing? My name is Evan Borko. I'm from the United States. Just like overwhelm them immediately with all the English. <laughs> and then you'll never have, to, with it. never have to worry about neighbors ever again. Yeah, as you charge forward with your hand out, like ready to shake their hand, they'd be like, oh, koi, <laughs> no. koi. <laughs> but no, the the neighbors I have met they are they are pretty nice. But like we've only like shared like a like a minute or two of shared space. Sure, yeah, sure. Everybody's shy there anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that has been my experience when it comes to my new apartment. It was scary at first, but I do like it here. It's not going to be my forever home here in Tokyo or Japan in general. But for a good place good to start. start, it's a good start. Yeah, that's sweet. Well, I, I'm I'm also kind of happy to hear that portion of it too. This isn't my this isn't my last place, which means you are already planning on one upgrading and moving up in society in a way, in some way, shape, or form. Right. So I will say like this apartment is good for when I am single, or like dating, or, or like you know have a girlfriend. But, like, when it comes time in a relationship where we want to move in together, that will be, all right, the step towards moving out of this apartment and going to another place. Well, so the question is, is how uh, how close are you to work with this current apartment? So I am a 40-minute train ride. So what I do is it's six-minute walk from my apartment to the train, and then it's about a 25-minute train line there. And then it's about a five-minute walk from the train station to the school that I work at. Yeah, and you're set up with a Suica card and everything to get yourself motoring yep, around. Yeah, I got the pass, though. Yep, I got the pass, though. Nice. 
Passmo. Okay. Yeah, Passmos are good. Passmos are good. more accepted across the country than Suica is. Suica, there really? are some prefectures that the, that they don't accept it. Interesting. Can I ask you a cultural question? Yes. Uh, I, I don't know if this is the episode for it, but I, I've actually just been curious. Has anybody ever like harped on or just aggressively noticed that you're a gaijin yet? You know, have they done no. that to you? No. No. All right. There is probably one place, but we'd have to save that for a future episode. Sounds we'll leave good. it at that. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Um, uh, right. But, um... Okay, what is a gaijin, or do we have to also leave it at... So gaijin, gaijin means foreigner. Yeah. Gaijin or okay. gaigokujin. Yeah, foreigner. Foreigner. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so... So yeah, there is one place where we got the whoa foreigner, but we will save that for an episode, a different episode. Cool. Uh, yeah, that's for us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, any more questions about the new apartment? No, I, I'm just looking forward to pictures. To be honest yeah, with I you, and so, sorry, sorry like. listeners, I know that you're probably not going to get that insight, but. Yeah. Um, have yeah. had a lot of challenges with converting your stuff from normal power sources to what Japan has. No. So before I came to Japan, I went to Home Depot and I bought the converters. So it's been very, very easy. Well, how much do you actually have to convert? Because it sounds like you bought everything in, in Japan. The only thing I converted so far, there's two things and they're both like power strips. So oh, I really? bought so I bought I brought two American power strips with me. Yeah. The one that's that my TV and my computers and my Nintendo Switch are all connected to, which have still the American plugs. Yeah. So I bought some power strips and then I gave them a big tip. <laughs> so I just have that plugged into one of the outlets with the converter, and I'm able to use everything no problem. So, okay, so uh, yeah, that's that's what I figured it was. But didn't you buy your TV in Japan? Yes, I bought my TV in Japan, but I bought my computers in America. No, no, I know you did, but you but you're, you said your TV is plugged into that strip as well? Yeah, yes, my TV is plugged into that strip as well because that's my main electronic strip. So wait, the strip, the strip is an adapter. It oh, adapts your American stuff. Uh, I, I, th- I think I see what you mean. Okay. Yes. I pl- the strip is plugged into the adapter, and the adapter yeah. is plugged into the main plug. Okay. Okay. And everything is plugged in there. <laughs> and so are we now. Okay. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> right. right. <laughs> All right. So, yes, that is the story of my new apartment. So let's talk about a couple of other things that have been going on. And with us loving manly, manly anime, I think the news of one of the most iconic manly anime making its return is something that we should be talking about. And that is the news of a brand new Fist of the North Star anime. Yay. So um, I, I don't know 
I haven't seen anything on it. I don't know if there's been visuals yet or anything like that, but does anybody have like the really sneaking suspicion that it's going to be a 3D animated show? I really hope not because I <laughs> hated Fist of the Blue Sky. I yeah. could not yeah, yeah. watch Fist of the Blue Sky. It was moving at but fucking three frames a second. Did. Yeah. You and guys saw was, what he did. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that is that's that is true. They are getting better at yes, they are getting the better at the three D. If, if I don't say I love it, but they're ready to use it, and it's like it's there. The second they hit the trigger, they'll be like, "Yep, we're gonna do it." <laughs> I'll say if they go, if it is a three D animation route, the only company that I would really trust to do it justice. Is Studio Orange. Right. Studio Orange are the guys who did Beastars and Trigun Stampede. And those look um, really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Trigun was really good. I'll give I'll give Toei a chance. Because well, no, was Toei the one who they actually did the the Dragon Ball Super movie. And yeah. they you know they made a choice, they went with it. And they were consistent with their choice. So it wasn't a good choice, like though. That. It was. It did. I dude, thought, I thought it the, okay. te- the team four star was it home for infinite losers. C three D CGI looked better than this Dragon Ball well, Super superhero well, movie. A team four star because you know I'm gonna say that whatever team four star does is better than the actual series. <laughs> Does Toei still have Fist of the North Star for this, though? That's actually a pretty good, a good question. I don't know. Um, I know a different studio did the Fist of the North Star movies in the 2000s. Yeah. But if if Toei were to, to still have it, I mean, I would... Tr- I could probably trust them. Super was good. I loved what they did with the 2018 version of Gege no Kitaro. I think they could probably bring Fist of the North Star into the 2020s decently, so long as they stay away from the CGI. <laughs> hey, uh, who has One Punch Man right now? Rumor has it that Go it's ahead. Mappa. Mappa is supposedly doing the third season of One Punch Man. Because they could do a decent job. Mappa definitely you know, can do it. Uh, Madhouse could absolutely do this oh, little star. I mean, if Madhouse did it, then it, then game over. We're just doing Madhouse for a hero now for a yeah. North star. As much as I like JC Staff, JC Staff has done great with Is It Wrong to Try to Pick Up Girls in the Dungeon. Um, they did not do a good job with One Punch Man for the second season. Oh, so yeah. I don't think I could trust them with Fist of the North Star. Yeah, um, that's season, man. Um, what what's the speculation? Is is there like is this original story content? Because I know they've done that a lot with Fist of North Star. Is this like a reboot? What what are we thinking? So it's a reboot, and according to the creators themselves, Tetsuo Hara and Bronson, it's going to be all a fully faithful adaptation of the manga. Oh my! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Kind of a reboot. Where it's always just a new descendant. That's JoJo. 
Oh, yeah. shoot. Oh my gosh. Uh, and, and so here's the other thing is they have the Ken's Rage games under their belt as well mm-hmm. as as like uh, play, uh, points of reference. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that they go the route with the music that they did for that game because all the music in the Ken's Rage games were power metal. And yeah. it would just be so great if they if they had a soundtrack of power metal for Fist of the North Star the entire way through. Mm-hmm. Oh, and opening theme song has to be uh, Cry Out for a Hero by Beast in Black because it's literally about Fist of the North Star. <laughs> That'd be so sick. We, I know there's so many good power metal bands that would do amazing anime theme songs. Like, I remember when we were talking to Fellowship, uh, yep. Matt, Matt there, and like the album Saber Lake Chronicles, there's so many songs on that album that could work well as anime themes. I would say well, like from Scar from Shrapnel Wounds would be like perfect for like, did you guys watch Reincarnated as a Sword? Yeah. Yeah. I love that so, show. Yeah. So that show, like that song could be perfect for like well, telling Fran's story. Here's the problem though. You remember that during that interview, I already reserved them for Salarian Sun properties. So Yes. I, I, I so hey, we're saving that, all right? Okay. <laughs> Let's not give it to anime. We're saving it for Salarian Sun. Not gonna <laughs> too, too, too ahead of our, ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. You know, I I wasn't signed up for lawyer talk. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah. I'm I'm hopeful for that this Fist in the North Star adaptation will be good. It'll be hard to beat the classic, of course, but at least unlike that show, we're actually going to get an ending that's close to what the original manga ending is. Well, so here's the thing too: is that the original show is great, but I think if they were to reboot it, they can fix the pacing mm-hmm. and they can fix they can fix all the quiet. Like, is, there's a pacing issue with the original one. It's very slow. Yeah. So they can fix the pacing issue and make it more exciting. Exactly. Because, like, I've been reviewing the original manga on my website. And, like, yep. every volume of this, of this in the North Star, is just exciting from start to finish. It's yeah, mind blowing how good oh the manga is. Dude, when I, when I, when I, for the first time ever, got to go to the manga museum in, um, in Kyoto and, and I got to grab, the final volume of Fist of the North Star off the shelf and finally see how Fist of the North Star actually ends, I was just my my body like just had shivers of being like, it is done. I have completed my journey and I know how Fist of the North Star ends. It's so awesome. It was so awesome. Can I ask this? Without spoiling anything, is it a satisfying ending? I think so. I think it is. I like. I think there's not there's not like an epilogue or anything. It it just it just ends. But but the story is over. That is what's nice about it. The story is over. So, yeah, I would I would go ahead and and confidently say that I think the ending is is safe to love. Okay, <laughs> good to know. Because <laughs> the last thing we're going to talk about is something that <sighs> we love it, but Adult Swim keeps milking it, and horse I don't girls. know what to think about it. I do not know. <laughs> not the horse, not the horse girls. <laughs> no, 
No, no, this is this isn't even drier. This isn't even drier uh, cow udder than like they're not even milking it anymore. They're just like yanking the udder and they're just like give me more. And the cow's like moo. Oh, I can't. There's nothing here. Yeah, it's just dehydrated and and gaunt. And well, you know what? Horse girls can't say moo. <laughs> Hold on, I'm pulling up my notes. Yes, pull out your notes. <laughs> so, so- so just so you know, um, I know we haven't even said what we're talking about yet, but I have not watched it, but I also don't really plan to watch it. So you guys just talk about whatever like you want. Okay, so we're talking about Fooly Cooly. And Fooly Cooly yeah. was my gateway to Japanese culture. No Fooly Cooly, no pillows, no South by Southwest, no Sushi Mommy mm. Ray, no No Borders No Race, no Boston Bastard Brigade. <laughs> No meeting wicked anime. No impressing Japanese teacher. No teaching English classes online. No Connie trip last year. No getting into the jet program. No duck and muck in Japan. Without Fully Cooly, I do not know where I would be in life. That's why Fully Cooly has a special place in my house. Where are you in life? (laughs) What was that, Derek? I said, so where are you in life? I'm in a good place in my life. And it's all, <laughs> and it really all does have to, it's all thanks to Fully Cooly. But yep. right now, currently airing, and will be finished by the time this episode airs, is the fourth season of Fully Cooly, Fully Cooly Grunge. And I will say this, so season two, progressive. I will admit, first episode, all right, it's got me interested but the story went down very quickly. It tried to emulate the first season, but it failed to capture its magic. For me, season three, alternative, it did some good things with the narrative. It was different and wound up being good, but not great, my opinion. And I liked how like they were different kinds of characters and it was a different kind of finding oneself sort of narrative. If I was to rate the original, perfect 10. Progressive is a 4 out of 10. Alternative is a 7. The Pillows Wait, music must have on. given it a lot of, of points. That yes. Progressive was like a 2 yeah. on mine. Yeah. Like I said, I like the first two episodes of Fully Cooly Progressive. But then the last four were just absolute shit. I have a question. Do you huh? think that they're each trying to do their own thing? The alternative, definitely. Progressive, absolutely not. Each one of them had their own perspective they're trying to look at. And unfortunately, some of them were shit. Which is what I I am trying to get to with season four and Fully Cooly Grunge. Yeah, no, I, I think that season two and three were a complete and total waste of time. They were different. And they yeah. did try something new, but like ultimately, literal waste of time. Yeah, because they didn't—they didn't even have a point. Like yeah. after it was over, it was just like, oh well, that wasn't even. I mean, fully the first season of Fully Cooly told a whole story, even if you had to watch it multiple times in mm-hmm. order to start even understanding what the heck it was about. I mean, the other two is just like, there's nothing here. There's no substance to follow because it just doesn't make any sense. Right. That's how I felt about progressive. Um, alternative. I felt like there was some good character development from the main cast. Like, Haruko was more of a background character in that, an alternative, than was a main character. And I felt like it really gave the opportunity to, like, build a little bit more on the world of Fooly Cooly. And I did like what they did. It's not perfect. I will not, it's not great. It's 
it was good for me. Um, I'm and totally I, I, I will not. I will. I, I, background character. But I will not disagree or argue with with Andrew and Jonathan because I do get where you're coming from in that regards. I do think that, like, I, I remember Progressive being a colossal waste of time, but I do think that I could give Alternative a another watch because uh, there there was there was some life in that one, and there were some good characters. Um, so I could give I, I would say that that would be the one that I would revisit. Yeah, I mean, I, my my big issue with the whole thing was it didn't even feel like it tied into the same universe. Like, that's my big issue is yeah. is is I watched those. and I was like, I don't I don't understand the sequential anything of this. Right. Which, like, for, yeah. wait, hold on. But if you like the characters, can you name those three characters that you said that you liked? No, I can't. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly and that's why that should go underneath uh, that's a good lead in though Andrew's point was a good lead in to grunge which yeah. this one is very much tied into the first season it is but the problem is it feels like it's trying too hard to be the first season Like you, that's have exactly another- what I said it's yep. exactly it's like trying to be super non sequitur. It's trying its hardest not to make sense. And it's failing spectacularly every step of the way. Yeah. So um, it's like, I, I think that that's what they did was they, they took a step back and they looked at the whole picture and they said, what made Fully Cooly one so great and, and what made progressive and alternative not good and then they took all of the pieces from the original show and they put them in places on the, the, the on grunge and they just played it in order to kind of tickle that part of our brain that says this this feels familiar, right? Right. Yeah. But Are we like, make- oh, and then so so bad. <laughs> Are then, we making excuses? Meaning what? No, maybe it's just bad. I mean, so I mean, You're it's got Ben Grimm from the Fantastic Four. You're trying to say that something else is the reason why it's bad, but maybe it's just bad. Okay, so no, first please. and foremost. Fully Cooley, the original, is not bad. It's like, it's the right kind of crazy. It's the right kind of nonsensical. And it feels like there's a legit point to the story of Nauta, Haruko, Mamimi, and Kanti. Evan, Evan, I'm trying to troll him. (laughs) So, first and foremost, uh, Evan is the only one who has spoken saying that it's bad so far. I have not said whether or not I said it's good or bad. So what do you I actually kind of like it? I kind of like yeah. it. Are you kidding and you, me? And you still and you still have that if it's good or bad. I I do. I actually kind of like this series. I I, uh, I believe it or not, this is like like fully coolly original at the top, and then grunge is right below it, and then alternative, and then progressive, and yeah, I'm digging 
what I've seen what? so far, believe it or not. Yes, I know. Have I, have, I, know. I, have I woken up in an alternative universe where John Starr likes the things he hates? What the no. fuck? Evan, Evan moves to Japan and all of a sudden anime is good. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, so, like, I, I, I was gonna get, try to get through all of my notes, uh, first, which are all bad. Like, all of my bad points. And then, like, it, it just, like, I, I don't know, I just, I like it. I think it's good. <laughs> what <laughs> <And> happened? <laughs> so... Um, let's walk through my list and, okay, and, and my ideas and, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of give you the walkthrough of like where I, my headspace is. Um, so as I had mentioned before, like, I don't know why they added Ben Grimm from the Fantastic Four into it, but the thing is, is in the show, you know, yeah. that's that like what WTF that's like, you know, I, I don't even know like they, why they couldn't come up with a better character design than than the thing from Fantastic Four, but there he is, you know. And he's um, treated like a regular kid. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, oh yeah. So uh, you know what was funny though was the thing. I think the thing that really gripped me for the first episode was a singular shot in the first episode when all of the characters were being introduced and it was their school classroom and it's just the three students sitting in a classroom with all of these empty abandoned desks and they're sitting in that classroom like there's a teacher in there with them but we don't see the teacher right they're just sitting in a classroom right and um and that was just like such a good shot i don't know what it was but it sparked something within me that was just like man that was cool um but uh, this show in particular, as we had talked before, like this one doesn't do anything new or brave. Um, and and I think that at the moment, I'm OK with that for the first two episodes. And as a matter of fact, I think episode three dropped today and I haven't watched it yet. Um, so I'll have to watch that. But yeah, um, so like it's only going to be three episodes and then it's going to lead towards fully coolly shoegaze, which will be like the the fifth season. Okay, got it. So I yeah, so I haven't watched the the final part to this, but um, I think all, I think the characters in their story for the most part are actually pretty intriguing. Um, Commander Amaral is back in it, um, and he is just the worst part of it, though. Yeah, like it's, it's so like okay, so in the first episode, the hand comes down to grab the iron and start ironing the wrinkles off of our minds again, right? Yeah. But the first thing that he says is, what the hell is that? And and so when when he said that, suddenly my brain goes to, is this a prequel to the original Fully Cooley? Did we think about that? Maybe. Like, so... I mean, it, that's ever like set as like the origin story of Holy Cooley. Right. Like it all just happens. Right. That's true. Yeah. It's almost like it could all be moving in a parallel line and all these things are happening at the same time. Right. Yeah. That is a possibility. Yep. So, but I'm part of me is, is trying to figure that out. And the only thing that could ever really answer that question for us is if now to ever comes back. Um, 
you know, they because have... Because the main character is basically a now to clone. And right. that's, like, where, like, I kind of have a bit of a problem with grunge is, like, other than the thing, like, there, it feels like none of the characters feel unique or original. Right. No, I, I really do not like the concept of bringing Nauta back because he was oh. perfect for that one series. I don't either. I Believe me, I don't either. He shouldn't come back. But what I'm saying is the only way that we're going to know where it falls in a timeline of any kind is if he shows up. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it just might be just random different windows into time here and there. And we yeah. just happen to, like... There's one window that's the original Fooly Cooly, another window that's progressive. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where my head's at, too. Uh, by the way, Commander Amaro's uh, English voice actor is like the worst English voice actor I've heard probably since the like early 90s dubs. Like, he's so bad. And no, I feel bad for Mr. saying that, but. Mr. Pope, Mr. Popo. Like, recently? Always, Mr. Popo. Always. <laughs> there is no way you can properly voice Mr. Popo that people won't look at it and go, ah, should he really do that? <laughs> um, yeah, so the other thing, too, is that I don't even know the main character's name. Not Nauta. Yeah, not um, Nauta. Sushi Nauta. He, um, so he grows a horn in the first episode and they didn't do anything with it in the first two episodes. I don't know about episode three yeah. yet, but they, but like the horn grows and he, he does, he like stands up to his dad in the first episode, but nothing comes out of his head. So like, it's, it's really weird that they, that like Haru, Haruko like curses him with that and then nothing happens with it. The horn doesn't do anything initially in the original, right? But no, the no. the horn was was Lord Conti yeah, in the yeah, original, and all the other robots right. too. But, but I'm pretty okay. I might be wrong, but the first time the horn came out, Conti didn't come out. It did. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, but yeah. but that was that was it. That was Lord Conti's finger like poking out of his head, and so it was like this weird growth coming out of his head. But it was really just his, you know. Lord Conti's fingers sticking out because he was about to pop out of his forehead. Yeah, because what Haruko was trying to do was was um, Adamisk is trapped inside of Medical Mechanica, the giant iron, and she is using his head as a portal to pull out all of these machines until Adamisk comes out. Right. And and it turns out that Lord Conti, the first one they pulled out, is Adamisk, but he's not activated unless he's he eats Nauta. Um to activate like the power um which so. now leads me to like what's going on with conti and and grunge because like he's like a <laughs> businessman it's like what he's the a businessman yeah and he, and he eats sushi and yeah i know that that's really odd and i can't figure it out yet i haven't watched the third episode but which now i wish i had to, for this but um because I'm sure that there's a bunch of people listening to this saying like, I already watched it. You're a fool. Yeah. You know, <laughs> either, either they're saying you're a fool for, for saying all of this blather that you haven't said, or you're a fool for liking it in the first place. 
you know. Yeah, I'd we'll say see. you're That's, a fool for liking it in the first place. <laughs> I don't know. I can't, I don't know. I can't help it. Maybe I'm just so starved for good fully Cooley that like it's uh, it's almost like Stockholm syndrome. I mean, I, I'm still waiting for uh, One Punch Man. So, well. <laughs> I don't know. There's no, only been two episodes. No, There's only been two seasons no. of that for over the past ten years. We've been waiting for like a fourth, fifth, like a good season of Fooly Cooly for like twenty. Yeah. Right? So I don't oh, know. We're I going got, on twenty-five. I got you guys beat. I'm, I'm waiting I, I for season two. Cooly when I was back in high school. <laughs> um, I'm trying. All right, let's see. I'm I'm trying to good. see what I else. Got a fight today, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I got to see what else is in my notes here that I I caught as well. Um, Can we just talk about just how I don't like the animation? I mean, we can talk about how terrible the animation is because the animation is awful. Yeah, animation sucks. It's like, so it's trying to be Spider-Verse, but like, (laughs) it just is not (laughs) Spider-Verse. Not into the Spider-Verse. It's like they went on to, uh, it's like they went on to a a royalty-free 3D website and hit the download button. Yeah, like so, it, that, so, there's, so there's so there's at first, but it's not Tetris. <laughs> so there's actually a video game, a, a visual novel that I played a couple of years ago that the animation style reminds me of, and it's a mm. it's a really good visual novel called Necro Barista. Um, but the thing about what? that game is that what? the animation style of Necro Barista works. Because it's a visual novel. It's not like, mm. it's not really something that's completely in movement. It's a 3D visual novel sort of game, but it works because of the tone, the attitude, the style of the story that it's being told. It just does insurance? not work for Fooly Cooly Grunge because everything about the style makes it look like it's choppy, it makes it look cheap, and it's just. It just looks so bad when it's in motion. You know, actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was actually thinking that this this entire series would be better if they just did like freeze frames using the 3D to tell it like as if it were a graphic novel. You know, um, if they completely cut out all of the extra animations and just did freeze frames using 3D models, I think it would be better. Yeah. Almost sold it as if it was like a motion graphic novel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Earthworm. I know what you're talking about. Earthworm Jim did it perfect. Like, literally, they were able to, like, freeze frames and able to have cinematics, but at the same time, they were able to slow down gameplay and make it seem like an actual gameplay was, like, a cinematic. You know what I mean? Are you talking about the original? Earthworm, yeah, yeah, like from from Sega Genesis Nintendo and Super Nintendo era. Whenever you got to a boss battle, it made it epic. But in the meantime, everything was paced so perfectly. I uh, I don't re- recall like cutscenes in that, but. I don't. Hold on. Yeah, I, I, don't recall, I, I do not. I, I do not remember big cutscenes. And I well, literally just played Earthworm Jim Two on Nintendo Switch Online the other day, and like, there were no cutscenes. Played on Nintendo yeah, Switch. Yeah. Introduced. There was a little mini cutscene. Oh yeah, that's right. It was on the. Switch. 
Never mind. Keep going. But sorry, go back. Time to go back. So, um, I I am gonna say that I think after season five of Fully Cooly drops, I might want to go back and revisit every season because I'm I'm I just now I'm kind of feeling like I, I want to try to puzzle piece everything together see if there's some kind of connection between everything that like that pinpoints everything and part of me is wondering if like Commander Amaral has something to do with because he was in progressive I don't remember him in alternative or yeah alternative I don't remember him in that but uh, he's got like this small non sequitur bit part I think is some, supposed to be like a kid version of him in progressive and so I'm wondering if he's like supposed to be something. Is he Atomisk? Is he like a Time Lord or something like that? I don't know. Um, oh, now that would be interesting. Commander Amaro is Atomisk, but I, that wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. It would not because the you know in Fully Cooly, Atomisk is there and Amaro is there. They're in the same room. Yep. Uh, no, I know that would never be a thing, but like. Uh, and he's but it, the idea of him being like a bumbling idiot time lord and him knowing Haruko so the one thing that I've always said about Fooly Cooly first and foremost is that if we ever wanted to do a true sequel to um, this is that it should be a prequel and it should be the story of how Haruko met Amaro when he was Nauta's age and how Amaro was not able to produce what Haruko wanted from him, which is was in episode five of Fooly Cooly, the original, I think. Yes. Was when they talked about it. That would make a great series. That's the series that that Fooly Cooly is missing out on if they wanted to do something. Right. And who's to say maybe that's what Shoegaze is going to be about? Maybe. I don't know. Um, a part of me is wondering if it was just going to be like a part two to this series, if it's going to be so short. Um, I don't know, but they get a lot done in these episodes. I think that the story pacing is really good, although episode two spending most of the time on the brother of the rock dude who was in the, the Yakuza was weird. Yeah, like like this is that that whole backstory thing was just so pointless. That was pretty pointless. Yeah, I was interested in the fact that the rock guy was was in love with the girl and I like the girl character the the um, metal smith's daughter who you know is looking for iron in the wasteland to try to build a samurai sword you know like her I think her character is actually the most interesting and if she was the main character I think that the series would be even better yeah than what it is now right but like because the big character is this Nauta clone it's just like I'm not grasping at this story. Like, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand what's happening. And while the original Fully Cooly did that at Aspects, everything felt like it was tied in place. It, I felt, it felt like, like you could... Yeah. You could figure it out. Yeah, I could figure it out. I don't know what the fuck is going on with Grunge. It feels like the protagonist is gonna die by the end. And it feels like there's no wiggle room for it to change. Um, I don't, I don't really know about that. 
I mean, maybe it is, it is possible because. Oh yeah, that's. Uh, but you actually do bring up a good point though, um, because it seems like everybody is waiting for death in in this version of the world because everybody's trying to leave the planet, right? Yeah. So that's another thing that was that was confusing about this to me is that everybody's trying to leave the planet and is that because of the aftermath that happened from the first series too like that was something that that got me thinking is like the the planet was destroyed or at least the town that they're in was destroyed and all of the people left except for these couple of people that were there because of what Nauta did in the first season but then that brings up what you just said where Amaro doesn't know what the hand coming from the sky and ironing out the wrinkles is right and that's and so what I've actually noticed is Amaro is treating this series as if it's um, a prequel or an alternative timeline Haruko is treating this as if it's a sequel because Haruko as a character in this like she, the whole time she's acting like this here we go again kind of character which I, which I think that if it's alternate timelines, then she is actually experiencing all the timelines all at once, or she is connected to what has happened in the past in some way, shape, or form. I don't know. Right. But outside of music, because the Pillows music is still great. Like I, I actually love the revamped versions of Beautiful Morning With You and Blues Drive Monster. And I do like yeah. the new end theme, although the new end theme kind of sounds more like a solo song by Sawao Yamanaka, like one of his solo songs compared to an actual pillow song. Which they do have just uh, Sawao Yamanaka listed individually in the credits. Yeah. It says the pillows and him. So it is possible that it is just a solo project. Right. But... Other than those, other than like, other than the music, like, I'll be blunt. I I do not. I I hate grunge. I I really hate <laughs> this anime so so much. It is, in my opinion, just like you said about progressive, a waste of time. And it, and some, it, it, I just, I I just, God, it's just. It's, it's, uh, why do you like this, John? I don't know. I don't know why I like it, but yeah, it's, it's, hol it's holding my interest, whatever it is. I don't know. Mm -hmm. The realization was this really, like the realization that like I, I liked it was the really surreal thing washing over me, realizing like, oh man, I'm supposed to hate this, but I don't like I, for whatever reason, I can't just, I, I like, I'm not going full equally progressive on this i'm just like taking it in stride and maybe maybe i've gone numb to it maybe yeah. that's the problem maybe i've just gone numb to the whole fact that i'm expecting a bad fully coolie so i'm just enjoying it you know as it comes out it's also been a really long time since i've watched any anime and it's kind of nice to like see one so that could be it too <laughs> i'll try to word this as carefully as i can it's like discovering a new kink <laughs> it's like, oh kind no, of, yeah. I like this. <laughs> kind of, yeah. This better not awaken something in me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, this yep. is not, other than the music, this is not awaken anything for me. I I absolutely hate Fully Cooly Grunge. I'm still going to watch this final episode, which will have aired by the time this episode is up. I'm still going to watch Shoegaze. I don't know. Am I a masochist? Do I like torture? 
because that's the only way I'm explaining, and I can explain why I'm still getting through all this fooly cooly stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I give it a one out of ten. What would you give it, John? Oh, geez, it's more like a five or a six. <sighs> yeah. I'm, so- I'm sorry. <laughs> <sighs> I think what I need to do is I need to go back to season three. I need to see if alternative kind of beats this one. Cause maybe like if, if that one's better, it could go down to like a four. I don't know, but like, All yeah, right. I'd say it's a solid five. It's closer to a six than a four. Well, here's the thing. By the time we record episode three of Dakamaka Japan, shoegaze will have come out. We will, we'll talk about shoegaze on, in episode three. And then we can finally decide, okay, how will we rate the each season of the show? Even though yeah, we know the first I, season is a 10. That first season yeah. is the greatest. Right. How and will if we I rate had to these put seasons? my money on it, if I had to put my money on it, the story is going to be that we find out that Haruko can travel between timelines and she is searching in Mabano City between timelines like in different like one after the other and she's the only one who's experiencing everything all at the same time and realizing it i think that's what the story is going to be yeah gotcha all right we will have to see we'll save that for episode three of dakamaka japan so <laughs> i'm sorry my brain um, cannot, my, my, I, my brain cannot I there for that <sighs> I can't believe you like this, John. I can't believe you're enjoying grunge. I, I cannot yeah. wrap my brain around that. Me neither. Go figure, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I th- think that wraps up this episode of Duck and Muck in Japan. Please keep on visiting B3Crew.com for all the gaming and anime and manga review stuff. Uh, follow me on Twitch on no, I don't even use Twitch. Follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at KingBabyDuckESH. I'll be posting more things about my Japan exploration there, more than likely. Uh, AFLM, plug away your stuff. Okay. Uh, well, if you would like to check out my stuff, you can read my comic for free at solariansun.com. Just post it up to page 267 for free that you can read over there. But of course, if you want to get uh, all the newest updates, you can become a member for as little as $5 a month and read up to uh, 623 pages of Solarian Sun. Now, of course, that's all the beta, re- beta readers everything so if you see me out on the convention field or maybe even when i open up the online store you can purchase volumes one and two of solarian sun with volume three on its way to kickstarter this january i'm actually i've actually been editing the book the whole time we've been doing this podcast so i'm about three chapters deep out of seven into uh, volume three and into the final edit before i get the test books done so that's on its way. So keep an eye out uh, for January, to, and then you can get uh, volumes one, two, and three in in print. Fantastic, John Star. Well, you can't find me many places, but you can find me at the Line Block on Instagram. Cool and Elite Four Derek. Oh well, you can find me at uh, Instagram and Twitter at Elite Four Derek, and also, guess what? Derek is back. 
Derek is doing Skyrim right now. <laughs> and, uh, and yes, he's a bard. He's an orc. He's everything you remembered him for. But that's what I'm doing right now. It sounds like you should be playing Baldur's Gate and then you can actually be an orc bard. And have sex with other orc bards. I, I am an orc bard. Come on, man. I already am one. But yeah, you should play Baldur's Gate 3 and go to the next level, though. Baldur's Gate 3 is awesome. Yeah. Dude, I played um, Elden Ring and I died about 30 times in the first 20 minutes and I literally just gave up. Oh, <laughs> uh, scrub. Yeah, dude, you have to die at least 200 times before you get to the good meat of the game. That's right. Yeah, but it's like fucking wolves. <laughs> the wolves just kill me. <laughs> Um, go to Baldur's Gate 3. I think you might enjoy yourself more there. It's true. Great game. It, it's a great game. It's a great game. So, all right. I would enjoy it. I would enjoy it, but I'm dead. <laughs> what a shame. Yeah, what a shame. So that's it for Duck Muck in Japan, Episode 2, starting from scratch. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And until next time, this is your King Baby Duck. AFLM. John Star. Elite for Jared. Reminding you once and for all that you don't have to be from Boston to be a bastard. But, but it sure helps. helps. Ooh, we almost got it that time. We almost got it. We almost got it. I was I was early. <laughs> and how do we sign off normally? I, I, got, I got excited because I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Um... Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, bye.